0: ways to create continuous momentum and inertia as you work on a startup. This week, we'll focus on external thrust and drag, ways to create momentum and remove friction for your customers when they interact with the stuff you put out in the world for them to find. This can be after you've got a product or a pre-product when you're trying to figure stuff out and test and learn a bit. Most startups miss out on the majority of their potential customers because they do an awful job with thrust and drag. They assume that because they've sent their customer a cold email or created a website or paid for a LinkedIn ad that the person on the other end will give them a minute or two of their time. They won't. You are a speed bump, an imposition, a pain in the ass. As my grandma used to say, you are ants at a picnic. Your potential customer was doing something and you bothered them. You grabbed them by the sleeve and tugged on it and tried to sell them something. Everyone's default state will be to move on past. You've got about six seconds to change that. To create enough thrust and remove enough drag that they grudgingly pay attention and maybe you do enough to buy yourself another six seconds and another and another, eventually leading to some sort of conversion, an email, a sale, whatever. You've got to take attention in those six seconds. If you can, you've got a shot at a business. If you can't, you're probably stuck at Deloitte. So let's figure out how to do it. And to start, I've got to tell you a story about a guy riding an elephant this isn't going to be one of my patented long stories which will either come as great or horrible news to you i got back-to-back emails yesterday from two people telling me that the swimming pool intro story from last week's episode was either way too long and that in general my intros and stories pull from the content or way too short and then in general my stories are amazing and add context and there should be two or three per episode can't please them all anyway back to the guy riding the elephant he's sitting up there bouncing along as his elephant ambles through a small town A man sitting in a coffee shop sees the duo and is dumbstruck. Not because there's an elephant. The story takes place in a town where elephants are pretty common. But because someone figured out how to train one. No one can train an elephant, the man thought. They are notoriously cranky and strong-willed. So how did this happen? How did this man get the elephant to take him where he wanted to go? He had to know. So he leapt up from his table and ran outside to ask. When he got to the man, he shouted up at him. Incredible. You're an elephant whisperer. I've never seen anything like it where are you two headed? The man on the elephant looked down and shrugged. Hell if I know. And the elephant ambled on, going exactly where the elephant wanted to go. Your customer is the elephant. And while maybe you'd like to pretend you're able to change their mind or grab their attention or convince them of something, you can't. At least not early on. They are headed where they're headed and it's up to you to meet them there, to fit into that journey. Accepting that, Knowing that and building for that will give you a great shot at nailing the first six seconds, which might buy you six more and six more, and maybe a business that works. So let's get into it after a little smooth jazz. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job and want to test out the former before you leave the latter, come and work with us. Apply at GetTackleBox.com. Over 400 startups have tested and built ideas to our program, and those businesses are now collectively worth over a billion dollars. Our program helps you prioritize and execute, and our members and me and the team keep you accountable and give you feedback along the way. Come build with us at gettacklebox.com. Back to it. Where is your bus headed? I've decided to write a book, which means I'm running through the Tacklebox method we have for building startups, but with my idea for a book instead. I'm in the very early stages, speaking with customers and experts to make sure it actually makes sense to write a book, that the book would be helpful, and that it's something with a real business model powering it, and on and on. This means I'm speaking with lots of agents and publishers. I have learned a ton. One of the big things that stuck out is how much industry professionals talk about thrust and drag, even though they don't use those terms. The other day, I had a call with a publisher, and the first thing she asked was if I had a name for the book. I said, I did. I'm calling it No Whisper Ideas. I like the term, and I think it encompasses what we do at Idea to Startup and at Tacklebox. How open are you to changing that? She asked. I guess maybe open, I said. Is it a big deal? Well, she said, if you call your book No Whisper Ideas, it'll be roughly 10 times harder to sell than if you call it something else. She waited a second. Honestly, if you're going to call it Whisper Ideas, I wouldn't even write the book. Excuse me? She went on. Let's think through exactly how this will go. Some bloke, nope, she was Australian. There are a lot of things I'm jealous of about Australians, but I think being able to say bloke consistently is top of the list. This bloke, anyway, will hear about your book from a friend, maybe. They'll say, this guy has a podcast and it's great and he wrote a book for early stage entrepreneurs and you should read it. They might even send him a link. Then, a week later, he'll open up his email or text and go to the Amazon page and see the title, No Whisper Ideas, and he'll hesitate. What was this going to help me do again? He won't be sure. What the heck are whisper ideas, he'll think, and why don't I want them? Lack of clarity creates indifference, and indifference is death for a book. Reading is hard work. No one's going to do it unless they're really excited to do it. He'll move on. Sure, I said, maybe, but people who know about whisper ideas from the pod will get it and they'll buy the book. She responded that if they listen to the pod and love you already, they're buying the book no matter what you call it. You need to convince people who don't know you that you can help them in six seconds if you want to sell any books at scale. A great book title, she continued, describes the outcome you'll create once the person has read the book. Think about the book like a bus. The title is the place you're going to drop them off. The destination. Whisper Ideas is about you. Really, you're thinking you're clever. The title needs to be about the change you're going to create in your reader. The book is about them, not about you. Whoa. So don't name the Bloomin'. Note, Bloomin' is another fun one. It's not as good as Bloke, but what is? Don't name the Bloomin' book Whisper Ideas. After we got off, I hopped on Amazon to see if what she was saying was right. I sorted business books by sales, particularly for books that were a bit older. Ideally, I want a book I would write to have some staying power. Here are the titles of some of the best and most consistent selling books of the past 15 years. Company of One, Good to Great. The 4-Hour Workweek, Getting Things Done, The Lean Startup, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and The Million Dollar One-Person Business. Each of these titles is describing the bus stop the book is going to drop the reader off at. The 4-Hour Workweek came out of nowhere back when absolutely no one knew who Tim Ferriss was because people would love a 4-Hour Workweek. The Million Dollar One-Person Business feels clickbaity, but it is irresistible. I'd love to get dropped off at that destination, and so would you. I'll put a link in the show notes. I bet 50 people buy that book after this episode just from the title. Hell, I bought it. The theory of thrust and drag with customers is about investigating the crime scene. Thinking about the exact position your customer is in when they first interact with you. The mood, the momentum, where they're headed. What were they thinking about? What's the likely scenario for them reading your ad or website or cold email? Then, it's about the six seconds. For people working on solo businesses, the title, The Million Dollar One-Person Startup, creates enough thrust that you're going to go to the Amazon page. The title is so compelling, it probably buys you six, if not 30 seconds, which you're going to use to read the quotes from the famous people who recommended the book. This is you searching for social proof. This might buy another six seconds, which is going to push you down to the reviews from readers, the top two or three. And if everything checks out, it's going to push you to a purchase. If the title of the million-dollar one-person startup was Whisper Ideas, you wouldn't give it a second look. Sometimes success is just that simple. If you nail those first six seconds, you got a shot. If you don't, you don't. You are likely not writing a book, but this exercise, what I'm calling choosing a bus stop, is incredibly important. What are the five or ten words you can use to describe where you're going to leave your customer after you've solved their problem? Seriously, pause the podcast. What are they? The words that will create the outcome your customer wants so badly that they'll stop what they're doing and pay attention. The peanut for the elephant you're on, the bus stop. That becomes the subject of your cold emails, the header on your website, maybe even the name of your company. There's a company called Build a Second Brain that helps you systematize everything you do that uses the bus stop exercise perfectly. The name alone creates thrust. It buys time. I want to be the type of person with a system so tight it functions like a second brain. I told you about linguini. This bus stop is right up my alley. The big lesson here is that you aren't owed any time. You start at zero. You have six seconds to prove you belong, to prove you aren't ants at a picnic. Understanding exactly how the interaction looks is going to help with that. A terrible cold email and a great one. Now let's talk through an example. If you're selling a service or anything B2B, you're going to need your cold emails to work. If you're trying to get customer interviews and you don't have a product yet, you'll need cold outreach to work. This is all practice to see if you can describe something people want. And to speak to the unridable elephant in the room, cold emails do work despite what you've been told. They can anchor just about any business. You just have to not act like a dummy when you do them. Keeping in mind thrust and drag, the idea that you've got six seconds to create thrust or at least remove any drag, let's look at two cold emails I got today since I started drafting out this podcast. And since these people email me without asking me for permission, I'm going to use their company here without permission too. Here is the first email with a breakdown of the thrust and the drag in real time. Quote, greetings with a hand-waving emoji. Fine. I do like an emoji, tiny amount of thrust onto the first paragraph. I'm Andrew, Senior Marketing Director at, fine, I feel bad, I'm going to take the company out, but there's a company here, a social media management platform that makes it easy to craft, review, schedule, and analyze all of your social content in one place. Reading that took roughly seven seconds, and I'm gone. I don't know Andrew, so I don't care about Andrew. I certainly don't care that he's senior marketing director, and I have no idea what to do with a social media management platform that makes it easy to craft, review, schedule, and analyze content in one place. I don't know what problem that's solving. I don't know where I'll be when I'm done using it, and it is completely unclear as to why I'm getting this email in the first place. Easy delete. Easiest one of the day. There is nothing appallingly bad about that first paragraph, just that it creates no thrust. And if you create no thrust, you've got drag and you're done. Think about how you scroll through email. What are you just dying to do? You're dying to hit delete. Every bit of momentum is carrying you towards that delete swipe. So what is stopping you from deleting everything? It's your subconscious searching for something from someone who knows you searching for some sort of familiarity, either a friend or contact who you'd be embarrassed to not reply to, or someone else is taking the time to understand something about you. If they've taken that time, maybe they can help you with a problem too. That'll perk your ears up. This cold email doesn't either. In the wild, I would have flown by, but for the purposes of the pod, I'll keep reading down the email a little bit longer. There's some social proof, another couple of paragraphs about them as a business, and then a somewhat veiled request to have their C-suite on our pod or have me push out their product for an affiliate fee. The email is all drag. The affiliate thing might be interesting, but it's about seven paragraphs in, and if it weren't part of the pod, I would have never gotten there. Maybe if the email had started with something like, quote, Idea to Startup has lots of listeners, many of whom are building early-stage businesses. One-person startups don't have the time or knowledge to run and manage social campaigns across platforms. We make that easy, and we pay a 20% affiliate to you for each conversion. Below is ad copy you can use on the episode if you're interested. I don't know if that would work, but there'd certainly be some thrust, some specificity. I hear you through the pod, but Brian, there's no way that every cold email can be that personalized. Well, we'll see. On to email number two. The title of this email was your Clavio account. Clavio is the tool that I use for email marketing, so I kind of perked up right away. I opened the email. The first sentence said, hi. Is your Clavio generating 30 to 40% of your total revenue right now? This question is extremely effective. It implies the bus stop. If my email list isn't generating that amount of revenue, which it isn't, they're saying that they can make it happen. Thrust. I read on. If it's not, I can get it there for you. I sent the same email to a company called Pet Love Surprises, which added $20,000 to their monthly revenue in 60 days. I sent it to GoPure Pod which added 15k to their revenue in 3 months and to CMG which made them a quarter of a million dollars in new revenue in just 30 days. The second paragraph then gives a little bit of social proof. There's some more thrust. The email is about them but specific to the other companies they've helped get to the bus stop they've already promised me and they generated amounts of money that seem reasonable. Next paragraph. We work on a commission arrangement, nothing up front just a percentage of revenues we generate commission is capped at $1,500 a month. This hits at the next feeling I'd have after hearing about the bus stop, the risk. This must be super expensive. I thought, but apparently commission is capped and it's only pulled from what they helped me make more thrust. The final paragraph is just a couple of words and a link. It says, here is a full report on what I can do for you. And then there's a personalized link that goes to a landing page that has a tackle box logo and includes a video showing how we get started. The personalization is just our logo. The rest is just a form sales page, but it's still really effective. And the video is short to the point, And again, removes some of the risk. It seems like it's really easy to get started with them. Now that is a pretty freaking good sales email. The company is called ClickDrobe if you're interested. I'll put it in the show notes. And while I'm not sure I'm a fit for them, I bet their hit rate is a thousand times higher than the hit rate of the other company or of most companies sending cold emails. If you can't get specific enough to create thrust in an email, then you probably shouldn't be sending that email. And it's either an issue with who you're sending it to or an issue with your customer focus in the first place. You don't want to do that. You're wasting people's time, and you could be crushing your rep. And you might end up getting absolutely roasted on a random podcast episode because of it. ClickDrobe nailed the bus stop, but they nailed two other things worth digging in on too. Rivers and dams and risk. Each of these will help you create thrust, and we'll talk through them quickly now. Rivers and dams. It can be hard to create thrust when you have a big value proposition or you're helping lots of different types of customers. Maybe the company from the first cold email is a great social media management tool, but the pitch is just too broad. If it's not specific to me, it doesn't gain any trust and trust creates thrust. I'd have used that phrase earlier, but it sounds a bit dirty to me. So it's only getting in here once. Anyway, if you're trying to create thrust, a great way to do this is rivers and dams. We've talked through this before. Your customer is on a boat going down the river towards whatever the big goal you can help them with is the dams are the things that block them along the way. And dams are things that are specific enough to create trust. Lots of times these aren't going to be your full product, but a thing that you can help your customer with first. One of our companies helps people with their relationship to alcohol for that customer, a dam pretty high up the river might be how to date sober. Both the action of going on a date without the comfort of alcohol and the inevitable conversation that will come up at some point where the person you're dating asks if you'd like a drink and you need to explain why you don't. The business might be more complex, meetings and coaching to move you towards a better relationship with alcohol, but the six seconds might be focused on a dam in that river, a specific thing you can help with. A Facebook ad sharing content to help you date sober will be much harder to swipe past than a generic, quote, will help you change your relationship with alcohol ad. Dams are more actionable and more specific and are an opportunity for you to prove that you understand the journey your customer is on. The more specific you can be to an immediate blocker in those six seconds, the more trust you'll build. The best part about dams is that they often get the customer into the flow of the product faster. It's a way to start building the relationship without the bigger sale. I have a friend who runs a business that helps people write. It's meant to create prospective novelists accountable, create some community for them, get built-in readers, and so on. It is a tough sell, especially for her core customer, the person who's never written before and wants to add writing to their life. So her website and ads all push on a dam she can break down at the top of the river that builds momentum, creating space. She has a free course called design your life to support writing a book that 99% of her customers start with. They go through that program, learn how to create an hour a day, then naturally move into the deeper program. Risk. The last tactic for creating thrust we'll talk about today is attacking risk. When your customer interacts with whatever you've built, they'll think about the upside a bit, but they'll mostly focus on the downside. You'll notice this whenever you pitch someone a startup idea you're considering. They'll always focus on what could go wrong. Humans are miserably wired to overestimate downside and underestimate upside. But that's the way it is, so you need to answer the risk question fast to get thrust. The second cold email did that beautifully. They mentioned their capped fee and business model where they only make money if I make money. Simple, but effective. Our instincts are to bury the risk, but you're better off calling it out immediately. Startups tend to hide their secret sauce and hide their biggest risks. Pushing both of those forward creates trust and creates thrust. Yikes, there that line is again. I could go on with thrust versus risk examples and tactics for hours, but we'll stop here. There are two big things to walk away from this podcast with. First, no one is excited to read your ad, your cold email, your website. No one is interested in hearing what you do. You start at zero, your aunt's at a picnic. You've got six seconds to prove that you're worth this person's time. Tell them where your bus is taking them, help them solve a problem, mitigate the risk they feel. This part isn't about you, it's about them. And again, you've only got those six seconds. This means you've got to choose people. The more specific you are, the better this all works. Never start your cold email with, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I do this. Two, put yourself in the shoes of the person interacting with whatever you've sent. What are they doing? Scrolling through emails, flipping through a social media app, getting a text from a friend with your site linked in it? Build naturally on that momentum. Nail the first six seconds. They'll earn you six more, and six more, and six more, and they might just earn you a business that changes your life. And then... You and the blokes can do whatever blooming thing you'd like. This was the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea you want to work with us on, come join at GetTacklebox.com. We will help you be thoughtful and purposeful with the whole process and dramatically increase the chances that your business works. Have a great week.